coming up on the 70% Podcast. I've seen, uh, we've had survivor victims um, here in Wisconsin, in the state of Wisconsin, I know as young as six, um, oh that were sold. Jesus Christ that were sold to a gang out on the west side of the state and eventually just passed on from gang to gang. And, and, and educate yourself on these apps and what they can do. I mean, realistically, if you're on Snapchat, you've got your location service turned on. I can go on mine right now and turn it on and then I'll see exactly literally who, who's around me that has them on. There's days where myself and my analysts and our other detectives, I mean, we're playing 12, 13, 14 year old girls and boys on the internet. I, like. My first ever case out of the gate was we're on Craigslist. I was pretending to be an 18-year-old sister that was selling her 14-year-old sister or something along those lines, uh, you know, for the sex trade. Because that actually and happens. You, you know what? You'd, you'd actually be surprised even the amount of times that we have the married couples and also even with the internet crimes against children, so even with the child pornography, you'd actually be surprised how many females stay with these as an expert matt what would you tell parents to watch out for to look out for so here's the thing you know listeners understand that law enforcement just said that it's okay to be a helicopter wait maybe are 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 better parents (laughs) right uh maybe we just call come up with a different name double p proactive parenting I had the New York City Police Department, the NYPD, their, their vice division director called me and was like, hey, how are you guys so successful over here? What are you guys doing that's different than we're doing? Oh I mean, that's God. insane to me. Huh. The 70% Podcast with your host, Amy Alexander and Mike Sewell. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the 70%. I'm Amy Alexander. And I'm Mike Sewell. And today we have a very special guest with us, Sergeant Matthew Wilson from Brown County Sheriff's Department. And he has experience and uh, what, Matt, what is your uh, official title over there at Brown County? Uh, I'm a detective sergeant at the sheriff's office. Okay. Okay. And you specialize in human trafficking or sex trafficking or is that? Yep. Okay. Yeah, no. So I'm a, I'm in the, I'm in the detective division uh, at the sheriff's office. However, I'm a part of a special team. Um, There's two sworn uh, investigators along with a sworn lieutenant who oversees us and a civilian computer analyst um, who is essentially our computer guru. Um, But yes, I specialize in uh, human trafficking, sex trafficking, as well as um, internet crimes against children. So anything that has to do with child pornography, child sextortion, um, anything, you know, as far as children, internet, cell phone applications, all that kind of stuff. Oh my gosh. How how did you get into that, man? (laughs) So... Uh, I started my career in 2006 here at the sheriff's office. Um, I did a little bit of stints in patrol for about five years. Um, I went into prisoner transports for a year. Uh, then I went into, uh, I got promoted, if you will, into a uh, undercover narcotics agent uh, for the Brown County Drug Task Force. Um, so I did undercover drugs for about four to five years. And then I got fully promoted to detective uh, in 2017. Um, so back in... 20, I believe it was 2014 or 2015, they created a couple positions um, and they actually brought in a lieutenant, uh, or an officer, actually, investigator from the Door County Sheriff's Office, who's now our lieutenant, uh, Lieutenant James Valley. And then they created a position for uh, Sergeant Kolschbach, who was doing, those two were specifically doing internet crimes with children um, for a couple of years. 
then we kind of uh, saw an uptick in some of the human trafficking, sex trafficking stuff. So they actually created a separate position. Mm-hmm. Um, and I left the drug unit and then got promoted into the detective position uh, doing that. Well, and the reason that we had reached out to you is because Mike and I in our show have been talking about a lot of things actually through the, uh, throughout our podcast about how things are not always as they seem in in our society <laughs> and and we went from Rittenhouse to um, the Maxwell trial and started talking about sex trafficking and human in human trafficking and and how that is basically tearing us apart and I don't think a lot of people understand how well, really how, severe how, how it, it is. all ties into our our local society here. Like a lot of people don't realize just how local human trafficking is in the Green Bay. So just out of curiosity about that. So we started this conversation off talking about the Maxwell trial. I don't know if you've been following that or not, but what what are your thoughts on that if you have been following it? So I really haven't. Uh, I'm not a big, I'll be honest, I'm not a big media guy. Um, I, I pick and choose of who I watch and it's not for any professional or personal reason. I just, seems to be you know kind of depressing at times all over the place yeah no doubt i <laughs> so can understand I that I especially mean, I, coming I, the, I, the job that you're doing you probably want to go home and look at something yeah. a little bit more uh, uh upbeat than mm-hmm. than yeah, uh, I, need, yeah. I need some I need, I need some happy in my life right uh, right no, but mm-hmm. it's um I, I know the very basics of it um but it does i mean obviously to the extent of not to that extent but you know it's funny when we first started this i got sent to a ton of trainings and you know, did a ton of presentations for the public because that was, you know, the big, the big buzzword a couple of years ago on, on, Hey, you know, this is actually going on and people started paying attention. And it's kind of one of those things where it's always been here, mm-hmm. but we just, we like, it's, it's one of those things where you turn over the rock and you find what's under there and you're like, Oh man, now I can't put the rock back. Right. You know, like, so it's, it's always been here. It's just a matter of, of it being more um, publicized well, because right. of certain things in the media and certain things that were happening. Well, I think, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think a lot of people felt or, and probably still do feel as though um, these people put themselves in that position to be, um, to, to be trafficked, you know, so that they specifically want to be, you know, um, uh, in, in the sex trade business, you know, I think, right. and, and that's why we don't, we don't give it too much credibility because we think, oh, they they chose that. Yeah, life for I themselves. feel like there are a lot of people that don't And I think that, that a lot of people don't victims. understand that there are victims. There's a lot of victims out there, not people that have been coerced or or kidnapped or whatever. So, it, 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 am I right in that in that assumption, or what are your thoughts? So, um, we and I I know you guys obviously don't know the terminology and stuff, but we actually don't call them victims anymore because that that basically. Um, Kind of was like desensitizing them so we call them survivors now um and when we first started in 2017 uh you know the boss brought me in and we were kind of the first ones to spearhead things around uh, our area in the county um you know so they were like well we really don't have a a path uh or nobody's ever done this before so like you're just kind of winging it and we're going to create something and let's, let's see what we can do with it mm-hmm. um you know so i said well listen at the end of the day i'm not you know, we're, we're here to, we're here to save the survivors and, and help them out. Um, you know, no 12 year old, 13 year old girl wants to get, you know, caught up online and doing certain things and then get forced in sex trade. Like, it, I mean, it right. just doesn't like, you know, I, I use the terminology for like the analogy, like Halloween, like you see 
the Frozens and whatever other characters there are out there, the Supermans and all that stuff. But you never see a little girl coming to the door as a prostitute. They don't want to, like, that's not something that's like, oh, my God, I want to be a prostitute. Or I want to be a, you know, a sex slave worker or something like that. So it's one of those things where we have to realize, and it, and it took law enforcement a very long time because we just kept thinking, all right, let's arrest the girls. That'll solve the problem. Right. Wow. Right. After 30, 40 years, it's like, okay, we can only kick our head, you know, hit our head so many times before we're like, all right, we got to wake up and figure out a different solution. Mm-hmm. Um, so we actually started doing, and it nationwide, I should say, with some of the training that we picked up on was Johnson. So we were actually going after the sex buyer. So, which was like, okay, let's go after them because it's, you know, you don't have a buyer, you don't typically have the problem. Right. So, and it's clearly not working. What we're doing at this point in law enforcement for the last 40, 50 years. I was going to say, what's the, what's the impact? Okay. So you, you switched from uh, going after the, the, the uh, sellers to the buyers and and what has been the impact? How has it how has it changed? You know the 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 environment of you know the sex trafficking or the the sale of sex. So, I mean, I don't want to. I mean, it's when we first started, it was shooting fish in a barrel. I mean, it was constant. It was. I mean, we did a three day sting at one point in time um, when I first started. I think it was twenty seventeen. And that's here in Green Bay, right? That's here in Green Bay. Correct. Okay, so yep, in Green Bay, Wisconsin, in twenty what is it twenty seventeen? You said. Yep. It's like so, shooting um, fish know, in a barrel. Yeah, yeah. So, this, so these are, these are, men, these the are men going after young girls. Uh, it could be anywhere from, you know, obviously teenagers all the way up to, it, it doesn't matter. So we, we basically would put ads out there, um, like put ads online where we were portraying the girls. Okay. So then us behind, law enforcement behind the computer was portraying the females, um, the, the trafficking survivors. And saying, hey, yep, this is agreed upon price. This is what you, you know, this is what you're going to get for services. Meet me at Burger King or wherever. You know, what we pick designated spots, typically like hotels and certain places that were busy that were could be known for where somebody would be mm-hmm. um, in that trade. So then the buyer shows up, says, yep, I'm here, whatever. We arrest them. Um, our first thing, it was like a three-day sting. I think we arrested 35 um, jobs. Oh, so, my God. That makes me sick to my stomach to think. I... <laughs> Yeah, so and it's and it you know it's funny because people have a uh, a snapshot of what they think it is, but it, we arrest everybody from an eighteen year old kid to a seventy six year old divorced twice widow. You know what I mean? It, mm-hmm. it, there really is there's an average in there right. of what a typical John looks like, right. but it could be a, the gamut really. Um, so so, so what's, it was very it was so very what's interesting. The average? So the average John, if you will, is, is that's what we call the sex buyer you know, for those. Fans that are named John, I'm sorry. <laughs> we have, we, well, I'm Mike and we have it's a, Nate, so we're good. <laughs> we have a uh, we have a detective that works with us, is Detective John Peters from uh, from the Green Bay Police Department, and he every time I say it, he absolutely hates it. So it's, uh, it's, it's funny, but um, but so an average sex buyer. No, no, you're fine. Is uh, is yeah. he's about 35 to 45 years of age. He's typically a white male, college educated, married with children. Wow. So it's, I mean, it's literally just the average everyday guy that you're probably sitting next to the traffic light. And then you know? what um, is the average, uh, as far as the group of survivors that are, um, are they mostly younger kids or teenagers? So these 35 year old so, men, these average 35 year old white guys, who are they going after? Who are they targeting? Yep. So 
it really can be anybody. I mean, now with today's day and age with the internet and stuff, um, and, and all sorts of cell phone apps and stuff like that, they're targeting younger and younger females um, that are online and vulnerable. Um, there really is no average per se, because here's the problem also that we discovered is up until a couple of years ago, we didn't keep track of things. Like it was just, even nationwide, it was like, yeah, okay, great. We got some hotspots here and there, but like, where, what are we looking for? Like, what are we looking for in a female? Nobody knew because we just never kept track of it. Um, You know, so I've seen, uh, we've had survivor victims um, here in Wisconsin, in the state of Wisconsin, I know as young as six um, that were sold. Jesus Christ that were sold to a gang out on the west side of the state and eventually just passed on from gang to gang. Um, and I bumped into her, oh boy, a couple of years ago working with one of our survivor groups. Um, and it was just, I mean, it was incredible to hear her story and just like how sad it becomes, but it's, you know, and I try to tell parents the biggest thing that we can do these days as parents is pay attention. You know, back in, I don't know, I don't want to sound cliche, but back in my days, like whatever, Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the street lights came on. You had to come home, or the parents knew where the children were, where they were right. playing, and, and they knew they, they knew the, they knew the parents if they were going to be playing over absolutely over over right. you know Jenny Bob's house or whatever. They knew they knew. Yeah. I don't I don't know Amy. <laughs> you know, if they're yeah, going to play yeah, at somebody's yeah. house, they right. knew the parents. Like right. even my daughter today, you know, I I tell her I need to if you're going to be at someone's house. I need to know where you're at, and I need to know these parents. I need to go in and meet these people so that I know, uh, you know, specifically who you're with, who you're around, what these people are about, mm-hmm. and they understand how I uh, uh, parent. You know, I, yeah. I'm not going to allow you to drink alcohol, and I expect that they don't allow you to drink alcohol. You, you, you know what I mean? Right. You have kids, Matt? Yep, absolutely. Yes, I've got thoughts. Um, I was talking to the producer earlier and yeah, it's, it's a personal vendetta for us too, because I have an, uh, an eight year old daughter and a six year old daughter. Mm-hmm. So it's, mm-hmm. you know, this is, this is makes it personal for us. Yeah. Um, and everyone on my team, my Lieutenant and the other detective, um, had kids as well, uh, both boys and girls. So, wow. so l- l- let me ask you this. So you, we're, we're talking about, um, the average, and we're talking about, you know, men being 35, white, this, that, and the other, blah, blah, blah. And then we're talking about young women. Let's 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 flip this on its head a little bit. Let's talk about the young boys that are out there that this is happening to. Because I, I don't think there's a lot of uh, focus on how young boys are being taken advantage of as well. Do you see a lot of that? Absolutely. Yeah, so it's funny. Um, if you go to, we went to some training down in Florida a couple of years back, uh, pre-COVID, and uh, they brought in a male advocacy group. And essentially they said, we believe in the stats that we see that, you know, your normal stats are about 70, 30, 70% women, young girls, 30% young boys, men, whatever. Um, their, their theory is it's about 50-50. However, the reason that it's, so swayed is the younger males um, typically don't uh, basically come forward. They don't report um, because of the of the male attitude of like, no, I'm stronger than that. This right. happened to me. You know, this didn't happen to me because I'm a male. I'm a guy. I'm tough. I'm whatever. Um, so they don't report. Well, especially which makes a ton of sense. Especially when men are victimized by women, like young boys are victimized by women. They don't. They typically right. don't come forward because they're like, oh, that's 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 kind of like a uh, 
uh, notching a headboard, you know, like, hey, I was with it's a like cougar. A, yeah, it's but, like a badge of honor. Right, exactly. Right. So Yeah, So, but it, I mean, even to it, it, it has happened locally. Um, there, there was a teenager, uh, I think he was 16 at the time from Green Bay, that got um, trafficked down to Chicago. And there was also, I don't remember his age, but it, it was a young a young male out of Wrightstown. Right, Wrightstown is, I don't know, 3,500 people. Um, yeah, I, that's where I Mike lives. So it, it, yeah, so it affects it affects everybody. I mean, it, it's you know everybody wants to think like this is a big city problem, and you know like only Milwaukee and whatever. It's like we're, we're an hour and fifty minutes, depending on where you want to go in the county, mm-hmm. from Milwaukee, and mm-hmm. the FBI has claimed Milwaukee to be the the Harvard of pimp school. Like literally, guys go to Milwaukee to learn how to pimp. Oh my gosh! Like that, that's where it is. There's a you can look up a guy. Um, well, I'm drawing a blank now, but he wrote a book on the, like literally the rules of pimping. Like you can go on to Amazon. Uh, his name is uh, Pimpin Ken. I don't remember his last name, but like you can literally go buy a book and it will teach you how to pimp. He lives in Milwaukee. Oh my gosh. So what is the, uh, the most common way that these survivors um, are getting enticed to get into this situation? Uh, nowadays, it's cell phones. It's cell phone and cell phone apps. Um, because what, what apps specifically? So it's funny because there's, you know, apps, uh, and we get this question all the time and it's like, all right, it's, it's a two, it's kind of a a two headed monster here because we know of, you know, like kick for instance, uh, K I K is is the name of the app. It's, uh, it's basically a pseudo anonymous app, uh, where you can just log in and you can be whoever. Now there's ways to track back. Actually, back here, where you log in and your IP address and all that kind of stuff to, to identify you, mm-hmm. um, but you're you're basically anonymous on the front, end, so you can be whoever you want to be. Um, so, like an app like that, and I don't mean to throw them under the bus, but at one point in time, they were the most app, they were the most downloaded app in the world, um, and there's child sex predators all over that thing. Um, so, but your 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 apps now that you know everybody uses, even the Instagrams, the Facebook, the Twitter. Um, TikTok. I mean, Snapchat. You, you know, yeah, Snapchat. I mean, because it, it just—it's any way to reach these people, uh, these kids. And you know, like growing up, I mean, what did you have? Maybe fifteen friends, twenty friends you hung out with. Right now, these yes, Instagrams. <laughs> I mean, yeah, right. These kids are these kids have two thousand friends, and I'm like, how, you don't even have two thousand kids in your school. How do you have two thousand friends? Right. But that's their goal is to just keep bumping up, like to get you know to the five thousand limit. So anybody that adds them, they just follow them back, and now they have their content. Now that other that child sex predator has their content, right? Because and, they can, they're friends with them now at this point. And even parental controls can't, I mean, circumvent if, circumvent the right. How would you know as a parent? I guess if somebody tried well, to friend my child that was from Milwaukee or California or whatever, um, but like you said, you can be anonymous. And, and that's right. but here, here yeah, so, I, I think that. I'm sorry to cut you off, Matt. I think that as, oh, as parents, I think that we allow our children, like we we allow our children to dictate what social media they should be on. Okay, my kids, right. first off, were not allowed to have Snapchat at all, and I would monitor their phones. I would take their phones from them once a week, once a month, or whatever, and look through their phones to see if they had Snapchat on their, on their phones. And if they did, I would take their phones away from them. 
um, my, my youngest daughter, she didn't have Facebook until this year. She went on Facebook when she was 13 years old and she had, you know, some, some, some issues with language and things of that nature. And I took it away from her. She went back on at 15, took it away from her again. And now she has Facebook again and she's a lot more responsible. Um, but at the same time, I teach her or at least talk to her about um, being aware of what's out there and what could be t- uh, could uh, uh, potentially be a dangerous situation for her, right? And I think that yeah. there are people that are you know that you you kind of fall into that. I mean, we're all just trying to uh, keep up with everything going on around us. And your kid is like, oh well, so and so has Snapchat, so you know, and kind of throws a fit a bit. And so then you end up just giving in, just no. giving in, See, and. I, I don't know, Matt, Matt, you let me know your thoughts on this, but I, I think as, as parents, we have a responsibility to our children to govern what they are, the social media apps that they're on, and to make sure that they are, um, that they're protected. What do you do with those parents that are so naive to think that that isn't an issue? Yeah, so, I mean, that's, that's the biggest thing I preach when I go out and talk to public and parents and stuff. It's like, know what your kids are doing and, and, and educate yourself on these apps and what they can do. I mean, realistically, if you're on Snapchat and you've got your location services turned on, I can go on mine right now and turn it on and then I'll see exactly literally who, who's around me that has them on. So, I mean, it, it's just that it's an open field day sometimes with these things. But some parents just don't know. It amazes uh, me know, how many educate. people just have their, lo- when I go in my snap, I'm like, why? I don't even want to see you on the map. I want to see what's going on in Tanzania right, right now. <laughs> why so, are right. you, you know? So, so you have Snapchat? I do have Snapchat. And, the, and, and you, have your lo- <laughs> you have your location off? I have my location on for two people in my life. Okay. My boyfriend so, and my sister. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But everybody else is But soft. there are a lot of people, I'll just, oh, let's be Snapchat friends. And all of a sudden, they're on my map. And I do use Snap Maps a lot to to go look at the hot spots to see what's going on on the planet. I just, I, I, I'm i just one of those people. Like, okay. I, I, it's, <laughs> no, it's fine. Okay. Um, but anyway. I, personally, I'm very careful. Like when it, first off, um, I've had people uh, send me Snapchat requests. And as soon as they send me, you know, something that that I'm just not comfortable with, I'll block them. Mm-hmm. I'll block them right away. And yeah, the same, the same thing, the same thing with Facebook. Like, so on, when I'm on Facebook, if I don't, if you don't have at the very least five to ten friends that I know, mm-hmm. I'm not going to accept you as I'm not going to accept your friend request. Right. But I tell my daughter the same thing. You don't it, don't. Don't yeah, but it's just a different attitude, Mike. Rem- you remember request. being in high school or being in middle school or grade. I mean, your popularity was the thing. Mm. And now with these social media apps, it's like, oh, how many followers do you have? Oh, I have 55. Oh, I have 57 50. or 50,000 or whatever. I, I was going to say, let's talk thousands. Let's yeah. talk. 55. <laughs> 50, when I first started having, like before I became a realtor, I only had like 35 friends on Facebook. You still only have 35 friends. No, yeah, like 135. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I'm teasing you. Totally teasing you. So anyway, back to what we were. um, No doubt, no doubt. Okay. You know, Matt, oh my God. I struggle with this conversation. I really do because it's such such a hard situation 
um, and and to to make people understand. So we're talking about the the, the Maxwell trial, mm-hmm. and that's a national level. I mean, that's that yep. is uh, on a national level. We're talking about how children are being um, uh, uh, victimized or survivors mm-hmm. or whatever of this this particular uh, uh, group who decided to you know uh, to, to to prey on them, mm-hmm. but. When we break it down to a local level, I mean, this is happening in our own backyards. This is happening yeah. in our in, in, in. I mean, you just said that there was a young gentleman who was uh, sex trafficked from Wrightstown, population, you know, 3, at the very most thirty five hundred five thousand. Right. You know, I I live in Wrightstown. Yeah, that, but that, see, that, and that that's the thing: the internet is global, so then it doesn't even matter if you have if you want to pick. A person that is going to succumb to being a victim slash survivor, mm-hmm. then you're going to be able to go anywhere to find that person. You know, pa- parents need. Yeah, to be you're going to you're going to be able to go anywhere and, and do and be anyone. Mm-hmm. If you will. I mean, you know, I mean, there's there's days where myself and my analysts and our other detectives. I mean, we're playing 12, 13, 14 year old girls and boys on the internet. I, like my first ever case out of the gate. Um, was I, I was a month in and Craigslist was big back then and Backpage and certain things. Um, I'm so, so glad we, they shut that crap down. Oh my god! Yeah, right. Mm. Yeah. So we're on Craigslist and I post and you know I'm, I'm pretending to be like a 14 year or I was pretending to be an 18 year old sister that was selling her 14 year old sister or something along those lines. Uh, you know, for the sex trade. Because that actually and happens. Yeah, absolutely. But, oh my gosh! Um, okay. You know, uncles and family. I mean, familial trafficking is a thing. Like that's 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 traffic, or that's I'm sorry, that's tracked by the national um, the national hotline for uh, for human trafficking. So wow, it's, that stuff happens. Um, but yeah, this guy was a this guy came um, not necessarily the human trafficking angle, kind of yes and no, but based on the sister. But he was coming from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Um, to have sex with a 14-year-old. This is a, I don't remember how old he was, probably 70s. This is a former prosecutor in Michigan. Oh, my God. And Like, literally, he he prosecuted cases in Wayne County, Michigan, and he drove from, uh, it was Traverse City, sorry. He drove from Traverse City all the way down, um, down and bought a hotel room, described in detail what he wanted to do to the young lady, and, and it was me, obviously. And we ended up arresting him. He confessed, um, you know, and served time in prison. So it's it's a cases like this happen every day because the ambiguity ambiguity, sorry, on the internet um, that you can just be whoever you want. Mm-hmm. And you know, um, if you're smart and you know what you're doing, then you know they can it can be a little bit more difficult to track you and what you're doing. Right. Um, I have a two part question for you. Speaking of you know, people getting arrested for this and stuff. My first question is, do you believe, and I, of course you can't read people's minds, but do you think these people um, think that they are in the right or they realize they're doing wrong and just trying to get away with it? So most of them know they're in the wrong. Um, you know, the, the general consensus is they are, know that having sex with a child under the age of 18 uh, or buying a prostitute, if you will, is, is illegal. They all know that. It's just a matter of, hey, let's see how far we can push the edge. Right. It's kind so, of like, mm-hmm. 
it's it's kind of like uh, I equate it to like drunk driving, where if you get arrested for drunk driving, that's probably not your first time doing it. Let's be real. Like, there, I mean, yeah, you don't get arrested for drunk driving the very first time that you. Yeah, it's not that one. The odds of that are astronomical, mm-hmm. right? So it's kind of the same thing where you talk to these guys, and you can talk to them, you know, off the record and say, "All right, look, we're trying to get some stats here, like get some stuff rolling here. How many times have you done this?" Again, it's not going to affect your, this case in any way, shape, or form. But the most times, the guy's like, oh, yeah, that's my fourth, fifth, 20th, 15th time, whatever. Um, Jesus where, Christ. So they got away with, with it the, that many times prior to getting caught. Yeah. And oh, it, because geez. they typically, some of the, a lot of these guys have regulars. Or I should say a lot of these females have regulars where it's the same guy every other week or every third week or something like that. Um, so it's, you know, they're not necessarily branching out to, find new girls every time it's hey i know susie or whatever insert name here um and she can you know and she can give me what i need every other week um so it's it's kind of a horse of peace where again if we catch you you're this is probably not your first time and it's definitely not checked and it's definitely not your first time talking about it or messaging people because mm-hmm. we can tell we can definitely tell even through the messages on because there's code words. i mean it, Again, we first started it with shooting fish in a barrel. Now it's a little bit more difficult because it's the again everybody knows like you can't you can't just log on to online, put in a number in your phone and be like, "Hello, can I have sex for one hundred dollars?" Like you can't do that anymore. Right. Obviously, because people catch on. So now right. there's because because they know and, that and you things. are out there and people like you are out there <laughs> right. looking for them. Right. And it's you know uh, in twenty oh man I think it was twenty eighteen. We did a huge thing and it was, we used this company out of New York, found them at a training. Uh, and essentially what they did is they auto sent a text message. So we put ads out there. Anybody that sent a message to us, like a potential John, sent a message to us, whether we messaged them back or not, we recorded their phone number. At the end of this operation, after three days, we sent each one of those phone numbers, this text message that said, Hey, this is the Brown County Sheriff's Office. We know what you're doing. This is in violation of this statute, punishable by this, that, and the other, blah, blah, blah. Well, obviously that message pops up and some people thought it was fake. So they called and said, hey, I think I got this message. And I'm like, no, absolutely not. It's not fake. You or your husband or your child or somebody at some point in time messaged one of our ads that were online. Um, and you, I, I mean, and some of them didn't believe it where they wanted to come in and see the messages and see the programs and like, I will, and we even allowed them. I said, I'll show you the messages. You're probably not going to like them, okay. but we'll show them to you. You know, um, so it's another deterrent factor that we try to use. A lot hey, of listen, divorces we're out here. To the- I, <laughs> I don't mean to make light of yeah. it. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> That's, so- you know what? You'd, you'd actually be surprised even the amount of times that we have the married couples and also even with the internet crimes against children. So even with the child pornography, you'd actually be surprised how many females stay with these guys that's that's you know that's one of the questions that amy and i were were, were going to ask you like how many times does the woman engage in these conversations for the man like in the maxwell what i mean they're trying to prove that maxwell was um exactly the um like she was a part of go ahead nate you got something to say no i was gonna say because it's easier like if you were gonna lure someone into this world Mm -hmm. who would you you would trust you would a woman before you would trust figure. some random exactly. guy that We've walks tra- up to you. Yeah, exactly, right. Amy. We've been trained. Okay, yeah. and I have. I mean, if he too. looked like you, Nate, I yeah. probably they probably wouldn't trust him. <laughs> 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 oh, 
I'm sorry. I'll tease you. I'll tease you. Back to, back to that last question, Matt. How many times do you see women picking up young girls and or males for the, their male the partner? Yeah, so so we don't see many, um, you know, and again, the, the stuff's not really tracked or whatever, but there aren't many rever- role reversals, if you will. The, the point where we see the females involved in this are they're working under a pimp. So they are, um, okay. I don't want to swear. So they're being coerced they're, as they're well. Called, they're, they're called a bottom. So they, they are essentially the person that goes out, um, holds the phones and holds the money to where the, the trafficker just basically buries himself in the organization where if they get caught, he's, he's not, not going involved. to have the money, the phones or anything like that. He's, he's going to insulate himself. Right. So the bottom goes out and essentially uh, recruits the females um, to, to come out and, and do the work for them. Uh, so it's, you know, we see a lot of that, obviously, with um, them trying to coerce the 14 And, and that's here. So I have to reiterate this, and I have to, you know, say this. So you, you're speaking of here in, in Green Bay, Green Wisconsin. Bay, little Green Bay, Wisconsin. In Little Wrightstown, Wisconsin, Right. Mike. So we're talking about here yep. in this town, mm-hmm. this is what we're seeing. Is that correct? Absolutely. Um, and I've talked to survivors out there that, that were that bottom, um, you know, because it's, it's, it's a, it's ebb and flow. Like one day the bottom could, could basically what they call be out of pocket, uh, which is essentially like she messed up. Um, she yeah. either miscounted the money no, or I, didn't answer yeah, the call no, or that kind of there. stuff. So she's out of pocket. So then she actually could get bumped down and be a worker, if you will, for the day. And then somebody gets moved up to be the bottom. So it's an ebb and flow. Mm-hmm. Typically, the bottom is the one, the female that's been with the trafficker the longest and the most trusted right. because yep. she knows what she's doing. She's going to be out there. She, she knows how to recruit and basically. She's the most in. victimized of them yes. all. To, to, I mean, if we're going to put this in, in if we're going to be completely candid and honest about this, she's the one that has been that beat down. Yep. And the most. And, and and that's and, her only option in her life, according right. to her. And she, well, she feels as though that's the only option. She is made to believe. Correct. That is the only option. Yeah. So, so it's funny when when I first got in this uh, this side of the profession, you know, I just never understood. I'm like, man, why don't these girls just walk away? Mm-hmm. Like just, I mean, it's that easy. We're we're you know, or or why aren't they taking taking our help? Like, we're literally reaching out. We're having advocates there. Um, you know, certain things where we we are providing the help and it just was mind-boggling that everybody they didn't take it they, they were just like no, no i don't need it or i don't want it or this that and the other so we're, we're just so confused but you know up until a couple years in about two years in i got this training um rebecca bender is a female uh victim of uh or survivor trafficking i don't remember the doctor's name but he presented and, and essentially broke it down it would, it, it essentially would be like if you took me from the suburbs here and you brought me to the south side of Chicago and just dropped me off, like I would just automatically run because I don't know where I'm at. I don't know where anything is. This is not my neighborhood where we now bring them out of their norm. And now we're, we're going to help them. And they just freak out essentially because this isn't, this isn't who they are. They're used to waking up 
smoking crack, doing heroin, meth, right. whatever, getting drunk, and going to sleep with dudes. Mm-hmm. Like that. You, so when you take them out of that norm, they, they just freak out. Do you think it's because they're in danger of being caught being out of their environment or because they just don't, just truly don't know any better? They, I mean, they really just don't know any better because they've been stuck for so long. And all, whenever are, you are all of them on drugs, Matt, or is just, are they just, uh, you know, a Stockholm syndrome or brainwashed? There, there are a few, obviously the Stockholm syndrome, but most of the majority of the people that we see drugs and alcohol. That's, yeah. okay. that's, and that's how they get their John, their pimp, whatever is providing that for them. Right. And that's probably why, and I'm speculating, but yeah. part of the reason that they keep going back because that they are getting that supply from them. Yeah. And when you, I mean, if you're not familiar with the drug world, but you know, heroin withdrawals are like the worst. Um, it'd be like, you know, you're just vomiting, you have convulsions, you're literally diarrhea, like, I mean, it's just stomach pains, cramps, whatever. It's just the worst. So to, to come off of that or to go into VTs or withdrawals, mm-hmm. it and is the worst. So they, that's all they know is to be like, all right, where do, am I going to get that next fix so I don't feel like that? Mm-hmm. Right. And, of course, the John is going to be, or whoever their handler is or whatever, so, is going to be the next one that is so uh, makes that available to them. As an expert, Matt, what would you tell parents to watch out for, to look out for? So the easiest way, again, is to know what your kids are doing on these apps and on the cell phone. So not a lot of parents, and whether you agree or disagree, so let's say you have a, I don't know how old your kids are, but if you have kids, let's say you've got a 10-year-old, for instance, you give them a cell phone. That child now has a cell phone in his control, her control, whatever, puts a passcode on the phone. If you don't know the passcode and don't regularly go in it and view it, you can't give law enforcement permission to go in there and do things because the, the courts have said no matter what the child's age per se, uh, obviously when you get down lower age, it's kind of different, but you know, a 10, 11, 12 year old, they have an expectation of privacy. That's what the courts have ruled. <laughs> really? So parents, yeah, parents, parents wow. wake out. They're like, no, they're like, absolutely not. I bought the cell phone. I do this. I'm like, Listen, if I'm paying I'm for this phone, yeah. there yep. is no expectation but of if, privacy. Right. Right. Well, yeah, but if you don't have the if you don't have the knowledge or are not privy to get into that phone, then what the heck kind of expectation listen, of privacy listen, have you been you, in my them? household? If I don't have the passcode to your phone, you don't have a phone. That's why I don't Period. live in your house. Right. <laughs> um, no, but, but it I, even it, even it even goes further. Even like you, you start talking about a house. Let's say you have a sixteen-year-old, fifteen-year-old kid who has a room. You know, obviously a bedroom, closed door, whatever. If you don't continually go in there and put clothes away, or go in the closet, or clean, or do something, you're not in there on a regular basis. Let's say you smell weed coming from the house, mm. and you can't call the cops and say, "All right, go in there. I smell weed. He's got stuff in there." I'd be like. My first question would be like, okay, how often are you in that room? What are you doing in there? Are you opening drawers? Are you closing them? What are you doing? If your answer is no, I never go in that room, I legit legally cannot go in that room. He has an expectation of privacy. Wow. Like it's, it's, wow. it's mind-blowing to parents because mm-hmm. they're just like, my roof, my room. You, you, you know like, what's mind-blowing I to me, Matt? <laughs> when, when, when the doctor tells me at 15 years old that I can't know what my, what, what my child has come to the doctor for. That, yeah. that to me is mind-blowing. So my 15-year-old daughter, well, she's 16 now. She can go to the doctor. 
she can have an abortion or get Probably or whatever. She can do whatever she wants, mm-hmm. and I can't know anything about it. Right? Can she get and raped yeah. or pimped hip, out? Hip, and hip they, up. I can't know. Amy, listen. They're not going to let you listen, tell you anything. She can go to the doctor, and by HIPAA law, I cannot know anything about. Even though she's a minor. Yeah, not, I can know anything about. So here's the thing: I'm responsible for her until she's 18 years old. However. I can't know anything about her medical history after 15. Unless she is, allows you. And, and Correct. And then in school. Correct. She would have to find In school. Consent. Oh, my gosh. In school. In high school. Okay. I'm not allowed to know what's going on in high school either. And, and unless also, she allows me to know what's going and on. And as Sergeant Wilson just pointed out, it's HIPAA. It started, you know, kind of, and I get how probably did get trickled down to the minors. Well, it. it's absolutely amazing and yet how you're that you're responsible if she doesn't show up at school. I'm re- yeah, <laughs> That's right, what's weird. right. Yeah. So I, I'm yeah. responsible if she doesn't show up for school. I'm responsible if she doesn't have her yearly annual physicals. Sure. However, I don't get to know what's happening in school, nor do I get to know what's happening medically with her. What do you think, Matt? <laughs> what is this like? What the heck? Right. Yeah, I, well, and I think we're getting a, a little bit off topic on that. I, we, we are. How, <laughs> however, we, we're still talking about not knowing what your child is doing. Well, I would hope that if sh- your child admits to being raped to the school nurse, that they would have to tell you that. I think I think by, by law, if, is, if, if a child is being line? abused or hurt, or anything like that when it comes to psychologists and or uh, the school nurse mm-hmm. or the principal, they have to report those Who's things. Who's the there's, first there's, person that's going to get... What do you call it, Matt, when they have to report so, you know, certain incidences and stuff like that? What do you call that? It's a, a mandated reporter. Right. Mandated reporter. Right. Okay. All right. So, yeah. yeah. So we, and we get those all the time. But, yeah, I mean, that's the biggest thing we try to tell the parents is educate yourself on the application, what the application can do. Um, and then again, know your kid's password, you know, know who they're hanging out with. Why do you have three friends from Milwaukee when you don't live in Green Bay and you, we don't go to Milwaukee? We don't right. have family. You've never been to Milwaukee. Chicago, You're 14 years old. How do you have right. friends from Milwaukee? Yeah. So that's where parents, and it's, it's not necessary. I mean, sometimes it's laziness. Sometimes they just don't care. They just think, oh, it's just a cell phone or whatnot. I, I mean, it, insert excuse here. Right. Negativity the or the day, whatever the, pr- yeah. Yeah. At the end of the day, kids at a younger age are getting cell phones. They're getting access to everything, um, everything on the internet. Now, if you're a, a good parent or decent parent, you know your kid's passcode. You're going to search the phone. You're going to do certain things. Um, you know, obviously, helicopter moms and dads will put time restrictions on applications, which you're able to do. I don't um, think it helps to call them helicopter moms and dads. And that's <laughs> the thing; it's such a negative connotation. <laughs> I know, I know. It's, it's, yeah. but, I, but I'm, I'm, I might be Aren't one of those. They the so I can say it. In this incident, in this, in this, in this, in this situation, I right. would think they are yeah. the better parents. But there 100%. is a negative it, connotation with being that way, right? Yes, and you would think, you know, and you don't want to be called the helicopter mom because it has that connotation to it. That, that negative, However, that negative connotation yeah. to it. Yeah, yeah. But you also, you know, that to me is, you know, what you're being a good parent. Because right. You understand what your kids are doing. You understand what they're doing so, on the internet. So, so here's the thing. thing, you know, listeners, understand that law enforcement just said 
Yeah, it's okay helicopter to be a parents. helicopter. Wait, maybe we our, just call our, our better <laughs> parents. <laughs> right. Uh, maybe we just call it, come up with a different name for yeah, it. I mean, they're redefining every word in the dictionary. Let's call it concerned parents. Let's call it responsible. Responsible. You're right. Responsible parents. Yep. Responsible parenting. Yeah. I like it. I like it. Double P. Proactive parenting. And I think that is part of the problem. I mean, I, we talk about different topics throughout, you know, in, mm-hmm. in our podcast all the time. But I think there are two things that are most concerning is one, the people that don't seem to care or are too lazy or I don't want to say everybody is lazy, but there are there there are ways to fix things and people just choose not to. And the other thing is the I think I think a lot of parents are concerned about being friends. Like they want to be they they want to be the cool. You right. know, and I'm I'm saying this in quotations. They want to be the cool parent. You, you know what I mean? But if they understand yep. that being the cool parent is also a risk of their kid being pimped out. I that's the thing. And the second thing I was going to say was that I don't think our media, I don't think there is enough attention put forward for this. Um, like the Maxwell trial. Oh, okay. A lot of the media is like, oh, she's not being treated humanely in jail. And da, 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 da. Um, which brings me to the second point of a question I had. In your opinion, Matt, do you think the f- punishment fits the crime? I know that you you must be a witness or part of a lot of trials or at least... Um, providing information for these convictions, do you truly believe that the punishment fits the crime? So I, I guess that's a, a little bit of a tough question to answer depending on the crime, but like, for instance, uh, you know, federally human trafficking, uh, human trafficking a juvenile has a man- mandatory minimum, I think it's like 10 or 15 years. Um, so any case that we get, you know, of a juvenile victim being trafficked, we try to stick federally because that's, Mandatory minimum meaning they have to face 10, 10 years minimum. Like no matter what plea deal they do, no matter what happens, they're going to prison for 10 years. Um, so like the state of Wisconsin for child pornography, it's a mandatory minimum of three years per image or video. So per image or video? Correct. Okay. So if there's some creeper out there who has 10 videos on his, on his cell phone or well, and by the time he gets caught, computer, he has three hundred. Whatever. I, yeah. let's, let's just say ten. So he's. T- you're talking about thirty years. Thirty years minimum mandatory. And this wow, is. Nice. And just so we're just so we're clear, this is not the. When I talk about the internet crimes against children, I want to make it very clear that this isn't the sexting like between sixteen and fifteen year olds. This right. is the um, brutal sexual assault of two and three year olds that I have to watch on video. Oh God. And like that that somebody has that video on their phone. So we don't even take, we don't have the time to even worry about like, all right, it's an age, mm. uh, what we call an age difficult image or video where it's like, yeah, they could be because they're smaller statute, whatever. I mean, we're talking, when we do things, it is under the age of 10, most times under the age of six. I mean, it, these are brutal videos. So it's like, we're not talking about the 17 year old, you know, sending nude images back and forth on their Snapchat and then right. saving it under their eyes only and all that stuff. This is legit stuff. Oh my God. So when we go after these guys and the same thing, and same thing for trafficking too, when you go after these guys, just if you actually get a victim, 
a survivor to talk and like tell their story and they want to testify, first of all, that's amazing because they rarely do that because they're so brutalized and beat up and just beat down, uh, you know, that, that they don't even want to remotely come close to that. But if you actually get that, yeah, I, I do think the punishment fits the crime because you're literally uh, sending somebody out there to get sexually assaulted on a daily basis, multiple times, and you're profiting off of that. Yeah. That and, to me is like one of the worst crimes. And, it, and I, I can't, the internet comes to get children, they don't even get started on that. But that's, that is, you, you just don't stumble on that. Right. And like that, that, that's not one of these cases where like, oh, hey, I got this one video from a friend, like whatever. No, no, you, you got to hit. hell says, hey, I got one video from a friend. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. First off, right. First off, if a friend, quote unquote, a friend of mine sent me some shit like that. Excuse my language. Hey, I was the that one would, that was getting that in trouble for swearing all the time, that, that and now it's Mike. Okay. Of mine. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Seriously. Mm-hmm. I'm not even. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's not a friend. That's not a friend. You know, no. You send me not. some crap like that. You're, you're, I'm going to be the one mm-hmm. who calls the police and say, hey, listen. This person yeah. here just sent me this crap. But that's that's not that the attitude of society these days. It's all like, ah, ha, 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 you no, know. No, it's not funny. I don't think it's funny either. Well, I mean, there's, there's, if you, I mean, if you do your research, there's um, professors overseas that are basically saying pedophilia is just a disease and it's just in the I know. brain. Yes. And, I know, and, and that's, that's, and, and that's the thing that bugs the like, shit out of me, Matt, that they're trying to turn this, they're trying to turn pedophilia into a into something like alcoholism or uh yeah uh, like they're trying to they're trying to normalize it if you correct will. like yeah correct like oh no that's just normal that it, it's like a it's like it's a disease and it and it happens like absolutely not like no. this well, is not. and a lot of times go ahead uh, especially since the people that you're uh you can't be a pedophile without a victim or a survivor and those people have no idea what's going on, especially when they're young children. Let, 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 let's clarify this real quick. So, Matt, why are you calling them survivors again? Just uh, instead well, of victims and calling them survivors. I'm, I apologize. So the vic- no, you're fine. So the victim word has kind of like a negative connotation where they they didn't, um, they were a victim of domestic violence or something like that where uh, it, it kind of just happens and... Um, we a couple of years ago through a bunch of trainings basically said, all right, the word victim just has like a like a like, oh no, poor you, whatever. If they actually make it out mm-hmm. of, of being trafficked, and you know, we were trying to figure out or I should say nationally we're trying to figure out like what other word can we come up with that has like a strong power a stronger vocal, like, like, right. something that you know, something that like something that builds them up. Rather Build than them up, tears yeah. them like, down. Okay, so, so that's why we that's why we call them survivors. Yeah. someone who's made yeah. it, it through, rather than someone who somebody's made it through. Right. And, and and I get and I unfortunately when we switched over, oh man, I used to get beat up all the time by my victim advocate ladies that I work with, and I would be like, oh victim, and they're like, hey, I'm like ah yeah, like we've been calling them victims for so long. That right. it's, it's tough just to get off that. And it, it, I catch myself slipping, obviously, even today. Like, mm-hmm. victim, oh, no, survivor. You know, right. because that's what we've just always known them as. Right. right. Or, or and that makes people. sense. And it, I think that, no, I mean, I like victim that. That, has that gotten so, everybody's a victim of everything. We're all victims. Yeah. We're all, victi- we're well, all I'm victims. A, I'm a victim. <laughs> You're a victim. I need my 40 acres and a mule. <laughs> 
<laughs> Matt, you should listen to one right. of our other shows because you'll know exactly what he's okay. talking about. All right. Anyway. No, seriously, though. Um, yeah. So, no, so survivor rather than victim. Yeah. I, I like that. I, I really do. Like, survivor yeah, gives, gives, gives power to the person who has come through that. It gives them yeah. power. And when you hear them. these ladies speak, like a Rebecca Bender or, you know, there's other national um, ladies out there that go out and, and do other things all over the place. But it, it's just to hear their story and to hear the fact that, like, they came through with this and the stuff that they survived. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I mean, it's insane because come out and go back into the life on average about seven to ten times. So, like, we'll literally rescue them, bring them in a home. Uh, I mean, we had a home here in Green Bay. Um by one of our victim advocate groups, it was it was a literally a house that they redid. Um, it was a survivor house. And are you kidding me? To, Here in, I'm sorry, yeah, Matt. I apologize for cutting you off, but I I need no, our listeners to completely grasp and understand the the level. You may that, be that, listening to it or hearing about it on a national level, right. but it's happening it's right It's happening in here. our own backyard. It could happen to your kids. So you're telling me, I, I never knew anything about this, Matt. So you're telling me in this, in, in Green Bay, Wisconsin, we had a house where we would we would bring the, the survivors yeah. and help we, them to, and, to, to, to reinvent who they, who they were. Is that what you're to get out me? of that situation? Yeah, so we so it was ran by iHeart World. Um, I believe they still have it. I just I think it's um, but so they have uh, they got a home donated to them. Um, they got all the donations like paint and hardware and couches mm-hmm. and beds and all this stuff like that. And um, and it was great because they uh, one of the outreach ladies that I used to work with, I would come into the home probably once or twice a month. Um, one of only you know, several males allowed in the house. Um, and it was, it was good to see, and, and these are legit trafficking victims, mm-hmm. um, whether it was in the past or current, where they got to see a different side of law enforcement. Because what did they know? You know, when oh, we first started doing this, it was, yeah. it was right. running and gunning. You know, we'd arrest them. We'd, you know, throw them in the box and throw them in the interview right. room. And it was their fault. I'm sorry. We'd yeah. bring them to the interview room. No, you, know, you, you said them. it correctly. They would <laughs> throw them in the freaking interview room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so we go in the interview room and start interviewing them. And, you know, then we bring the advocate in. Well, who, I literally fit the mold of the guy that's buying sex every day. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm mm-hmm. 38 years old. Mm-hmm. I, you know, was married. Are you white? And Are you white, man? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So okay, I, 38 I year old white male. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I, I fit the bill. So, and they don't trust law enforcement in general. And now we've got yeah. somebody that literally fits the average to come in here and do this. So what we actually molded to was, okay, let's get the victim advocate. The victim advocate would, will ride in the car with me. When we arrest them, they're right there. Um, you know, we don't typically throw them in handcuffs unless they're crazy fighters or something. Right. The victim advocate is right there to say, hey, we know what's that. going on here. We're here to help. How can we help you? Let's, let's figure this out. Right. And we got a lot better response from that rather than, you know, cuffing and stuffing, if you will, the old school days, yeah, no and doubt. then putting them in no a, an interview room, and then and then bringing in the survivor because of that, or I'm sorry, the trafficking advocate, and then being like, oh, here, trust us. They're, you know, they're yeah, just like, no we're going to cuff like, you I've and throw you in the before. box, and then, oh, hey, guess what? Here's a McDonald's hamburger. Trust them. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, here's a victim advocate. Like, right. here, go have fun. You know, but, um, so they, they'll come and go out of that life about seven to 10 times, 
before they either finally, it'll legitimately, they'll just be washed up and, and either drug overdose or something like that. Or too old prison, to traffic or they'll anymore. Be dead. Right. Yeah. yeah, or they'll be dead, you know, from a drug overdose or from, from whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's, it's pretty sad to hear some of these ladies' stories and, like, you know, when you actually hear the physical story of the beatdowns that they took, the drugs that they did, the alcohol that they consumed literally every single day right. just to keep their high so that they just basically drowned it out the noise of, like, the Johns every day. Everything that's um, going on. And that's why I asked Some of the terminology my... that she's yeah. using is, is hitting home for me because, you know, the beatdowns and stuff like that, you know, bottom and things like that. Those are, those, those are, those are, that's terminology that I understand intimately because of, you know, because of coming from the inner city. So I understand that terminology. So, um, and when I was saying about the victim or the punishment matching the the crime crime or fitting the crime, Mm -hmm. I mean, there are, I, and I, I have a, uh, maybe as a woman, I have a skewed view of things or whatever. But I think if you are a pedophile, then you should. Uh, 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 Amy, uh, yeah, don't, don't but at least, at yeah, right. least, at the yeah. very if least, you're a freaking pedophile. There's the, no reason why we should be spending tax dollars on you. Period. Uh, right. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's not what I'm yeah, saying. No, I'm not I'm sorry. okay. But um, <laughs> I. You definitely don't deserve a Viagra freaking prescription. No, you deserve you deserve castration. I, in yeah. my opinion. In my opinion as well. Yeah, so it's you know uh, I'll I'll do a plug here for for our sheriff Todd Lane and our uh, district attorney David Lassay. They have done an amazing job at supporting us. Um, and Todd Delane created this second spot for the human trafficking and internet crimes against children. And Dave will say our district attorney's office, uh, who runs the DA, he's the DA um, in Brown County, have done a great job at actually educating themselves where they have actually attended trainings for human trafficking and internet crimes against children to say, all right, what what is going on here? Like, let's figure this out from the bottom because to educate, I can go in and educate a district attorney or an assistant district attorney all day long, but until they actually see or hear a victim speak and do certain things, mm-hmm. Sometimes it just doesn't click. Like, and, and that's for me. I'm a visual learner. Like, mm-hmm. go to these trainings and hearing this stuff. Um, you know, you can give me a PowerPoint all day long, but I want to know what's up. So those two have been absolutely amazing at the support system that we have at the sheriff's office and also knowing that times change. So, like, what we were doing two or three years ago doesn't necessarily work. So I literally have to go to Dave say the DA, and say, hey, this isn't working. Can we do this? Is this legal? Is this ethical? We want to start doing sending these pictures or those pictures or accepting this or that. Mm-hmm. Are you on board with them? And it, I mean, it would blow blow people's minds. Like when I would go teach cops a couple of years ago at conferences, I'm like, you got to get your district attorneys on board and your sheriffs or your chiefs on board with this stuff. Otherwise, it's just gonna it's gonna go to the wayside right. because they they don't know. They're they're and it's no offense to them, but they're administrators. They're really not on the day to day operation. Mm-hmm. Um, and they may not be as educated as you are in the topic because when they have something or when patrol has something, they immediately come to me and say, Hey, you're the guy, you know, what, what do we do with all this? Right. So you have to know, you have to be educated and know your statutes and limitations and certain things. So I'll put a shameless plug in for those two, not shameless, but they, they've been fantastic at um, getting us the education, the training, uh, and, and all the stuff that they need. I mean, I got sent the first couple of years. I got sent everywhere for training, out of state, in state. I mean, I was all over the place, right? Um, trying to get a background of what this stuff is and how we can combat it. Um, I mean, at one point in time, even for the trafficking stuff, for our Johns, 
for our jobs thing, I had the New York City Police Department, the NYPD. Their, their vice division director called me and was like, hey, how are you guys so successful over here? What are you guys doing that's different than we're doing? Oh, I mean, that's God. insane to me. Huh. Like, I, I was speaking, to a, oh. I was speaking right. to a lieutenant from the NYPD vice squad who's asking me how we're allowed to do the certain things. And I'm like, well, I don't know what your laws are, but this is what ours right. are. And well, this is how we're doing I was born and raised in Brooklyn. And, and trust me. They, in where? In Brooklyn, Brooklyn New, York. New York. Oh, okay. All yeah. right, yeah. Yeah, so w- what we're doing here in 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 Northeast Wisconsin is far better than than Brooklyn, New York, any day of the week. You know, it, anyway, I, I'm not, and I don't know a whole lot about what specifically it is that you're doing in law enforcement. I'm, I'm sure you guys keep a lot of that close to the cuff, uh, so that you can catch people. However, I, I know that that sex trafficking runs rampant in New York City in comparison to Northeast Wisconsin. Uh, well, I think it's yeah, I mean, coming it's, it's up. Yeah, a huge city with a bunch of burgers. Right. Well, and I think it's just, it's, I, it's, a, it's, a, nas- it's a global crisis. The, the point I'm trying to drive home is that is, it's, 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 this is not just an, a, 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 uh, a national level. This is not just happening in New York City. This is not just happening in Chicago. It's happening in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Green Bay, little Green Bay, Wisconsin. This is happening in Rylander. My hometown. Wrightstown, 3,500 people, Wisconsin. Okay? So if this is happening in these little small towns in the United States, can you imagine how rampant it's running in the the inner cities? In the inner cities and the bigger cities. I mean, look at... um, like North Carolina, Raleigh, North Carolina has one of, I they have pretty much every highway in the United States running through that city, more than well, us it's, anyway. It's kind of like truck stop here in, in in Northeast Wisconsin. That's a hub for sex trafficking. Yeah, so I mean, you know, it's uh, conveniently located directly across from the sheriff's office, <laughs> uh, which is, I mean, it's a little bit comical. Um, but you know, we we discovered that yeah, there was a problem there. Um, and actually, the owners of that place are fantastic to work with. They realized that they had an issue too, and said, "Hey, let's let's get some help in here." Mm-hmm. Um, a few years ago, we did some. Uh, there's a good organ. There's a great organization. Um, it's called it's TAT. It's Truckers Against Trafficking. Okay. Um, if anybody wants to ever look that up or whatever, it's a uh, it's a national organization that basically goes out and presents to trucking companies. Um, I know they've done. I've done a presentation with them at Schneider uh, a couple of years back. Um, great organization to work for. They just pass out flyers, and uh, basically, it's the whole see if you see something, say something. Right. Um, and their right. whole shtick is uh, truckers are on the road, you know, 24 7, basically. They're in these truck stops, you know, homeless kids who are looking for rides and all that kind of stuff. So they're going to they're gonna be the eyes and ears. So um, we, we got together with the owners of the truck stop, and, and they realized that they had an issue, and they said, hey, we're absolutely on board with this. Um, we ran an operation out of there where we actually got a truck uh, from a trucking, a local trucking company, put it in there, um, and ran operations from there. Like where, where we were running operations to survivor operations to try and save some of these girls mm. um, that would show up at these truck stops um, or show up at the truck stop. So they've been fantastic with us. Um, our, we have what we call uh, directed enforcement officers uh, for each of our villages that we um, uh basically police force, like Howard Swamico, Adelaide, Bellevue, and right. uh, mm-hmm. right, or, uh, Denmark. 
those guys work with us all the time. They know the owners of the truck stop. Uh, they're in there constantly talking with them, you know, saying, hey, what do you guys need? Like, what can we do to help? Um, is there any issues? That kind of thing. Because, you know, it does happen. Um, it was a problem back in the day. It's not so much anymore. I think we've kind of curbed that, uh, you know, with the operations. Well, you guys we moved there. right across the street. Well, that too, but <laughs> so how, what better, what better deterrent than a sheriff's office? Right, right across, right, the, street, across right? the street from the problem. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, but it was, you know, that, that was a, a problem back in the day with your, and I hate to say it, but your, you know, your quote unquote lot lizards. Like, you know. Like oh my God. Thing. So here's yeah. the thing, Matt. I used to be a truck driver. That's how I ended up in Green Bay, Wisconsin. I used to, oh, really? bring, I used to bring cheese from New Jersey to Green Bay, Wisconsin. And drop it off at the cold storages here in town and, you know, quote unquote processed in Wisconsin. Anyway, long story short. So I I know exactly what you're talking about when you say lot lizard. But go ahead. Finish finish your story. Yeah, so it's, you know, they've been, I I can't say enough about the owners over there um, who've been fantastic to work with. And they realized that they had a problem and they were like, hey. We don't want this here. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. there's no business, no hotel. No, yeah. work, nobody you know, prefers and I'll, and I'll, that. No, and, and I'll I'll do the plug for the Green Bay Hotel Association. I've got some great friends that own hotels around the area, um, and I've done presentations for them to implore their staff to say, "Hey, pay attention to this, or do this, or do that." Um, you know, this is how you can combat this. If you have a problem, let's work together because mm-hmm. nobody wants that. No reputable hotel wants that there. Let's exactly. Be, you know. Yeah. Especially, especially a nice one that you know, like. Uh, uh, water parks. So the uh, 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 1951 tundra. or whatever that oh, yeah. is, the yep. country and its suites or the tundra lots, for instance, those two guys, right. I know the owners and general managers there, great to work with. They don't want that. They're, there's family, right. there, you know, like, so they're, they're trying to say, Hey, listen, this is, it is what it is. Like, we know it's probably going to be here. How can we implore our employees to open their eyes and say, all right, this is an issue. We need something to be addressed about this because we don't want to hear we know this happened. Um, so, it's, you know, it's about reaching out, and I think that's the biggest part of my job originally was education, educating the public. I right. have two eyes. I'm right. in the office most of the day doing things behind the scenes and doing whatever. I need the general public to be out there paying attention to be like, hey, this doesn't look right. If you're a parent, all I can say is trust your gut. If that doesn't look right, say something. Yeah. If, it, if, if I get 10,000 complaints or somebody calls in 10,000 times and it's nothing, I'd rather have that than somebody that just right. doesn't do anything that one time and just goes, oh man. And it no. was something. So awesome. So Matt, just to just to just to to, to sum this, this this whole thing up, when it comes to the um, saving, let's 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 end this on a good note. In your mind, what are some of the cases that stand out of the vict- the no survivors that you have been able to save? And get out of this 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 trafficking, male and female. Can you think of one case for male and one case for female that stands out that you were able to say, and and, and locally here, of course, that you were able to save and get them out of this 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 situation. Yeah. So you know, being in, um, having connections with the survivor groups, um, and it just a plug if you will so like we, we work with a bunch of them but there's there's damascus road in the valley there's i heart world working with those those ladies and, and gentlemen are amazing because they allow us and, and they sometimes help to step up so working with those girls in the home and being able to support them and showing them a different side of law enforcement 
was like the highlight of my week to go there once or twice a month. Um, you know, because they'd always have baked goods and all stuff that they would cook. Because it was a legit home where they stayed and, and did things. Um, you know, so so helping a couple of the a couple of the victims through their cases locally, and even if and it was more more or less some of them didn't didn't even want to open a case. They were like they were there. They were they were getting assistance. They were getting mental health help, physical help. Like I mean, Aurora and Bake, uh, Bellin and all those guys were offering free healthcare services for them. They had a dental office that was fixing their teeth. I mean, it's insane. They had a, um, one young lady got a trafficking, um, so her trafficker basically put on lipstick one day, kissed her neck, and then they got a tattoo of the dude's lips on the side of her neck to basically claim him as her property. Um, we had a tattoo company locally that would remove those tattoos. I mean, just to see the, the community support coming to help these girls and realizing that, hey, this is a problem. Right. Like was amazing. Um, okay. You know, where some of these younger girls and, and even guys, obviously, too, but, you know, they're, it's, it's crazy to think that where we've come from as a society, even from a couple of years ago mm-hmm. to, to where we are now, um, to helping these girls and, and boys, too. Right. Um, right. But there's, there's not really, you know, so the, it's tough because we don't really have many trafficking cases because a lot of these victims are so scared of their traffickers right. that they're going to get hurt, abused, killed, that not a lot of them will come forward to actually make a statement. Um, I think I've, I mean, I've honestly had maybe two or three out of my three or four year career doing this, this portion of my career that have come forward and actually signed the statement. Right. Um, one of them uh, that I had was just absolutely brutally assaulted. Um, and she's actually on the run. She's been on the run for two years. We can't find it. I have absolutely no idea where she is. She busted out of a, a, I think a mental health institution down near Madison. We got her, got her in to get some help, and um, she was going up against a, a, a really bad dude from Green, well, from Flint, Michigan, was over here doing some bad stuff, and now she's on the run. And we, I haven't seen her in two years. And it, and, and she was one of those where we, uh, you know, we got her, we got her help. We did whatever. Um, me and the trafficking survivor advocates. Uh, took a couple of the girls out two or maybe probably three Christmases ago, took them out for dinner. And they were like floored that a police officer was going to buy them dinner. I was like, yeah, well, it is what it is. You know, this is what I'm trying to show you the other side here. So her story really sticks out because I haven't seen her in two years and I have absolutely no idea where she is. And the sad part about that is that you, that it's on your mind. You're thinking about that, you know, you're thinking right. about, okay, what happened to her and, and what can I do to help her now? You know, yeah, you know, I, I it's mean, com, coming from the, the inner city myself, like we have a, a, a healthy distrust for law enforcement. So I can understand like firsthand how these people are, may feel about trusting law enforcement to be able to even help them out to be able to help them out of these situations, you know? It's, it's actually pretty crazy to me because I, I'm not your, and I've, and I've told these girls this, I'm not your typical cop. Like I, I came in, I'm coming in plain clothes, obviously for detectives, but you know, we're, you're coming into that trafficking home and, and where you're dealing with these guys and they just, I mean, they, we had, I've had girls that literally just run and hide in a corner because they, they just, they, they don't know me. They don't know who I am. Who I am. I'm a law enforcement. I'm a, I'm a white male. Like they just, they freak out. Eventually they come around 
and now I've got a pretty portrait like sitting in my office, um, you, you know, that one of them painted that was completely scared of me at first. So it's stuff like that that's a constant reminder of like, you're doing good work. It's going to mm-hmm. take a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the distrust that they have for law enforcement of being thrown on the ground, thrown in jail, doing this, whatever, is, uh, you know, so bad in their mind that right. it's, it took years to get to this point. It's not going to happen overnight. Right, so exactly. I, I, there you was programming that came into it. Yeah, so it's, it's absolutely. And I grew up in um, Irving, Texas, which is right outside of Dallas. So, like, I get the whole, you know, big city, you know, cops and inner city things where it makes sense to me. I don't have, obviously, full knowledge of it, but I can I can wrap my head around it. Right. Um, and, and I can actually a little bit relate to what these girls are feeling and thinking on a certain level, not obviously to the, to the degree that they're at, but, um, you know, it's it's just about trust and you have to, you have to slowly just gain it with these, with these girls and boys and just say, you know, I'm still here to help. I don't always, if I showed up at the house and I didn't bring some sort of cookies or treats or candy, well, man, it was, they basically were like, Nope, you can just leave like jokingly, but it was you right. know, that just little, right. little show of something, right. you know, some where they got a Valentine's some, some kind of, some kind of olive branch. Yes. Yeah. Me being a human yeah. is essentially yeah. what it was. So, okay. Well, um, Matt, we are coming up against uh, our our time. We have a bit of a time constraint. We could probably talk to you about this all night long, but... Would it be possible... (laughs) No, no, seriously. uh, Would it be possible to bring... to to, uh, Would you be open to coming back on another show, Matt? Sure. Wherever the team needs me. Cool beans. Awesome. Um, Just one last thing before we let you go, Matt. What... So I don't have any children. I don't have any small boys or girls. I don't, I'm aware of a problem, but I don't know. What can people like me or others that don't have direct connection to um, kids that could be victims or survivors, what can we do to watch out for this or to help you guys out or however um, to advocate for this problem? Like what are some of the signs that we can, that we can look out for that will point us to, okay, this person might be in trouble? Yeah, so when I always, you know, that's a great question, and everybody always asks that, because, you know, and what I tell them is, take it in context, because, you know, one of the biggest things is, um, at every training is like, okay, uh, look for the guy carrying multiple cell phones. Well, I carry two cell phones, you know, because one's work, one's personal. So, like, don't just sit there and take one thing that I say and be like, oh, he's got two phones, that guy's a trafficker. Like, so, and at and everybody always is like, oh, yeah, that, oh, that makes sense. But it's funny because people, you know, whatever. Um, so you, you're looking for multiple cell phones. You're looking for a large amount of uh, U.S. currency that somebody's pulling out of their pocket or whatever that just isn't typical, uh, that's not, you know, typically in a wallet or something. Uh, younger females with older males. Um, if you have nieces or nephews that are starting to skip school more and miss more school or have, like, an older boyfriend all of a sudden who drives, um, you know, who they're always talking about going out of the area and going on vacations and going on trips to certain things. Um, kids with who wouldn't typically have the ability to buy new hair, nails, gold chains, whatever, necklaces. I don't know what girls are into nowadays. Um, you know, newer cell phones or something like your niece or nephew, daughter, whatever, all of a sudden shows up with a new iPhone 13 or something. Right. Like, where did you where get Where they wouldn't have the ability to get so, that. Yeah. Where did she get that from? Um, you know, looking for if you're in a gas station, supermarket, something like that, um, a male always in front walking behind a female, 
you know, if you say hi to them, they'll immediately put their head down, like in shame, essentially. Um, if you ask them a question, they typically won't answer it, or they'll look to the trafficker to answer it. Um, that's, so we teach a lot of people, like citizens and nurses even, too, like, we're huge in the hospitals because, you know, when you think about it, you're, you're having sex constantly, and it's not, and one of the biggest things for females, reasons for um, going to the hospital was they just, they can't stop whenever, obviously, they're having female issues. So it was the removal of tampons, like, because it just, they were, they were too far up, essentially. I mean, I'm not trying to get too graphic here, but the nurses would see this and be like, oh, okay, whatever, that's odd, but it is what it is. Where we started talking about this and like, hey, this is a thing. Like, why is it? Why is this that? Um, so now they're separating and trying to ask certain questions, but the male keeps answering those questions and not allowing the female to answer. Um, so just little things like that that can, uh, you know, that might just like, all right, that's a red flag. All right, that's kind of weird. Um, and the biggest thing we say is, all right, if you see this stuff, try to get as much as you possibly can. If you're in a, a grocery store or something like that. Try to get the date, the time, what they were wearing, um, because obviously it doesn't mean no good if you just say, "Hey, I think I saw somebody," or "I think I saw something." Right. Okay. Well, what did you see? Um, get a get a good description. So, but again, I think the biggest thing is, as a human being and as a parent, especially, or you got nieces or nephews, just trust your gut. Mm-hmm. Like that doesn't look right. Something's wrong. Um, you know, obviously physical marks, bruising, black eyes, um, you know, fingerprints on kids' arms or you know, juvenile arms and stuff. Um, and there, a lot of the times they're branding too. Uh, branding meaning um, tattoos uh, with like the pimp's name on the side of their neck or the lips um, on the side of their neck, like the one female has that I knew. So a lot of times they're seeing that, um, and they they brand them wherever. Uh, it could be uh, seen or not seen. You know, it just really. Right. Now, is there a hotline or a, a, a method for people to call and, and say, hey, I think that there's something going on here that I'm I'm not sure for sh- I'm not, you know, it's not for sure, but I have a suspicion. Um, yep. So um, there is, it's the National Human Trafficking Hotline. Um, they also have a website um, that you can go on and report as well. Um, but it's just a, it's run by Polaris. Um, they run the they run the program. It's just a nonprofit, um, but they have so like I, I just happened to look it up since 2007, and this is as of December 2019. Since 2007, they have 63,000 cases of human trafficking reported. Um, so it's it, I mean it's insane the stats, that, and that's who keeps the stats on things mm-hmm. um, that are doing that. But you can go report it. You can call in. Uh, I believe if you if it's like a hey, I see this right now, um, their little prompt, you can actually talk to a live person who will then forward that to local law enforcement. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much, Matt. Matt, I truly appreciate you you, you uh, being with us tonight. From the Brown County Police Department. Uh, Thank you so much for enlightening us in the information that you have and spending our hour tonight. And hopefully we can pick your brain a little bit more in the future and you'd be willing to come back on the show uh, but we do appreciate the information that you have given us. So everybody yeah, no that's, problem at all, Yeah, everybody out there listening, please um, make sure you relay this information to your friends and family because mm-hmm. we can't, it's, it's, it can't happen by one individual. Um, and we just really all need to come together and realize here's, that this is a problem. Here's the thing, if this is happening in 
little little Green Bay, Wisconsin, little Wrightstown, Wisconsin. This is happening. happening it's happening globally. everywhere. It's and probably need, happening in Rhineland. It's happening in it. Shawano. Right. It's exactly. happening in Anago. Exactly. It's happening wherever there are. And we, we need to we, we need to be a part of the solution. Yes, yeah. and not just turn a blind eye. No doubt. I'm Mike Sewell. I'm Amy Alexander. Thanks for listening to the 70% Podcast. Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. No doubt.